So what am I doing? Why am I doing this separate podcast? What is the point of this? Well, quite frankly, if you've been following any of the picks on DraftDaySports.com, um, I try to throw some sort of writing analysis in there, but I am no wordsmith. So I feel like for my own sake and maybe for your sake as well, I can kind of get a better sense of what my handicap is for each game verbally rather than written down. So this podcast is basically just going to be meant to go over my best bets for the week um, and kind of just detail them, handicap them, and give you my side of things. And then, you know, it's just another way to kind of analyze the games verbally rather than written. So online on draftdaysports.com, you can still find all of the bets, but you won't see the analysis up there anymore. You'll have to come here to this podcast each week. It won't be super long. It's just going to be really quick, kind of bullet pointing each of the games that I'm going to highlight. Um, But you can come here to find the analysis of each game um, if that's what you're looking for. So um, let's kind of dive into um, how I've been doing this year, which hasn't been super great, but we have, you know, we we built some momentum a few weeks ago. And last week we kind of, you know, fell back into the losing record two and three, but we have have been doing decent recently. Um, we're 18 and 21 on the year. We're down about five units, which isn't great, but it is about halfway right now. And um, my numbers are kind of coming into form. So I'm pretty optimistic about kind of the handicapping and, and getting some some movement in the right direction here moving forward for the second half of the year. So stick with me. Um, we'll We'll get to a winning year. Don't worry. Um, let me talk about my power rankings at first, and I know I've done this in previous podcasts, but um, my power rankings are, are essentially you know, kind of giving me a sense of how better or worse than average is a football team. So, um, for example, the Buffalo Bills are my number one power ranked team. I have them at about nine points above average, which you can find all my power rankings on draftdaysports.com. So that tells me that Buffalo is about nine points better than average, and my le- my my worst team is, is Houston. They're about seven and a half points below average. So if you put those two teams together, you know, nine minus seven and a half, that's about a 16 and a half point spread. So if those two teams were to play each other on a neutral field, the line should be Buffalo minus 16 and a half. So I use these power rankings to kind of generate my own spread. And then I use that to kind of help myself with handicapping throughout the week. These numbers come from various things such as offensive DVOA, which if you haven't heard of DVOA, it's basically a way to evaluate every single play that a team does and whether or not it's a successful or unsuccessful play, and they rate it essentially. Um, So I do offensive DVOA, defensive DVOA. I look at their past schedule. I think that has a lot of value in who they've played. Their DSR, which is drive success rate, um, that can also be found on footballoutsiders.com. Um, that tells you essentially how you know successful each drive is. Is it a touchdown um, or is it a first down? And they kind of weigh it that way and, and essentially kind of create a percentage of you know how successful their drives are. I do the same thing with defense for that. And then I look at the offensive line, defensive line, and the sack rates on both sides of the ball as well. I weigh it a little bit differently. I usually um, 
give a little bit more credit to the offense. I think in general with the way that the football league is these days is that offense tends to have an advantage. So I do weigh my numbers a little bit to the offensive side um, versus the defensive side. But those are essentially the parameters that I use when I'm kind of calculating these power rankings. Um, and once I make my spread, I don't live and die by them, right? So I don't look at my spread and say, oh, my power ranking tells me this, I have to bet this. That's not necessarily the case. And you're, you'll see that you know throughout this episode of my picks. Um, because I, I do go against my power rankings in certain cases because you do have to kind of look at some other tangibles such as is it a good spot, is it a bad spot, you know, what is this team doing, are there injuries involved. So the power rankings themselves are obviously culminated over the entire year. So Arizona, for example, you know, they haven't had DeAndre Hopkins all year. So their numbers may be a little bit lower than what they are right now because they have Hopkins back. So there's certain values, you know, that you have to just kind of use a little bit more common sense, but I like it as a good baseline. So I wanted to kind of quickly intro those power rankings because I will be referencing them throughout the episode a few times. Um, but, you know, I wanted to do that and that so everybody has an idea and understanding of that. Um, I won't do that on future episodes, but I wanted to kind of give you um, just a little bit of background on where those numbers are are coming from so without further ado let further ado let's uh jump right into the first game that i'm going to look at and i'm going back to the well on this one with the new england patriots i like the new england patriots minus 5.5 or five and a half at home against the colts so obviously we know belichick's success against rookie quarterbacks um and he is going against sam ellinger from texas um who is think is he a second year guy um he might be a second year guy um or is he a rookie uh regardless he doesn't play much right so um he's a new quarterback and bell check against um rookie quarterbacks or first year second year court whatever they are um he's 25 and 6 straight up and 18 and 12 and 1 against the spread um, including 14 and 0 straight up at home and 10 and 4 against the spread at home. So what does that tell me? Well, Belichick is really good with rookie quarterbacks and young quarterbacks because he knows that typically they don't have that processor yet. They're not able to dissect a defense ahead of, like farther than the first or second progression. So he kind of takes away what they're trying to do and it forces, you know, the quarterback to make a bad mistake or something like that. We saw that last week with the Jets. Um, we, we The Patriots basically allowed the Zach Wilson to make mistakes and give them the game, which he did. So I think the same thing, similar thing is going to happen this week with Indy. Um, you know, the Patriots offense has not looked impressive. Um, you know, they're towards the bottom of the barrel in most of their offensive categories. Um though they can run the ball pretty well. You know, they throw the ball not great, um, but they do run the ball decent. Um, Indy does have a very good um, defense against the rush. They are third in the league for opponents' yards per rush. Um, but, you know, I just I think that they're just going to put Mac Jones in situations where he's not going to lose the game, and if they have to kick five field goals like they did against the Jets, they'll do the same thing this week because Belichick um, knows that Sam Ellinger is not going to beat him. Right. As long as he takes away the first couple things, um, he's not going to beat him. Another thing I like in this is that the New England Patriots have the seventh highest sack rate 
in the league. And with a young quarterback, one who might not be able to make a decision quickly, he may be sitting in that pocket longer than you want him to. Um, Colts give up the 22nd worst sack rate in the league. I think that kind of generate pressure, which again is going to generate mistakes. New England has won three of four. I know they lost to Chicago um, in a miserable game, but Justin Fields kind of falls into the category of a mobile quarterback. Even though he's a first-year quarterback, Belichick doesn't have success against mobile quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Um, so I think that kind of is an outlier in Belichick's realm. But Sam, Sam Ellinger is not that quarterback. He's going to be a pocket quarterback. And I think um, Belichick's going to get the best of him. So even though the offense of New England has not looked great, I do like uh, the Patriots to cover five and a half at home against the Colts. Let's take a gander at the Minnesota-Washington game. Um, Minnesota's three and a half point favorites on the road against the Washington Commanders, and I believe that I like the Washington Commanders at plus three and a half. Now, if I look at Minnesota's schedule, they're six and one. They're a good football team, right? Well, let's take a look at these wins. Okay, they beat Arizona at home 34 to 26. Good win. Probably could have been closer result there. Um, they had a muffed punt, Arizona did, down by two, muffed a punt, and basically gave Minnesota their final touchdown to stretch that lead. Um, they beat Miami at Miami, um, which is a good win, you would think, until you realize they played against Skylar Thompson. They beat Chicago at home, barely. Chicago was winning in the fourth quarter. They beat. Uh, New Orleans in uh, London, it was, by three off of a double-doink field goal kick, which could have tied the game. They beat Detroit, again, barely at home. Their only true road game, other than that Miami game against a backup quarterback, was against Philly week two, and they lost that uh, 24-7. So Minnesota, although has a 6-1 record, I don't think they are a 6-1 football team. I think they might be more of a 3-5, you know, 4-4 and and football team, um, just because they've re they've really squeaked out a few wins here. Washington, on the other hand, has won three straight with a backup quarterback, Taylor Heineke. I think he has given some energy to this football team. Um, they have beaten Chicago, Green Bay, and Indianapolis over the last three games. And sure, they haven't won by much, but we're not looking for them to win by much. We're looking them not even to necessarily win. They just need to lose by a field goal, right? So um, the Washington Commanders, they are... 9-2-1 against the spread with a backup quarterback, which Taylor Heineke is. So Ron Rivera knows how to get his guys going um, for a backup quarterback. This team is starting to come together. I think they've found some life with Antonio Gibson playing a little bit more of a Debo Samuel-type role. Now that, you know, kind of going back to what he did in college as a receiver, now that you have a true running back with Brian Robinson, Curtis Samuel's coming alive now that he's healthy. Terry McLaurin, of course, is a great receiver. Um, they've got some weapons on offense, and Heineke manages the game well. He's pretty mobile. Um, I like what he can do there um, offensively. Minnesota, I don't love them on the road. I, I just really don't. This is Kirk Cousins' uh, first time back to Washington since he left, um, however many years ago it was. So this will be interesting for him. Um, I don't know, you know if he's going to maybe put a little too much pressure on himself um, to or I don't know. I, I'm not sure how he's going to respond, but I, you know, FedEx Field is a tough place to play. It's you know traditional grass. You've got a dome indoor turf team coming to an outdoor grass field. I think there's some value in that. 
Um, Washington is going to be, you know, the home fans are going to be fired up knowing that Kirk Cousins is coming back for the first time. You better believe they're going to be in his ear. So Cousins is 26-36-1 against the spread after winning, like a game after winning um, straight up in his career. Um, so not great ATS records. Um, you know, I, I just think this is a good spot for Washington. Um, Ron Rivera is 52, or sorry, 10 and 6 against the spread with Washington after um, a win, after a straight up win, which is really good. And he's also 24 and 9 against the spread um, after winning as an underdog which they were last week. So a good spot, I think, for Washington coming back home. They are 4-4. Four and four. They're right in the mix of things, maybe not for the division because Philly's so far ahead, but certainly right in the mix of the playoffs there in the NFC. And I think they've got some confidence. They're playing with some chips on their shoulder. Um, Washington could be good here. I like them plus 3.5 against the Vikings. Our next game we're going to look at here is Vegas against Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Vegas is one and a half point favorites on the road here. And I like Vegas minus one and a half in Jacksonville for a couple reasons. I think this is a good spot for Vegas because they just got blown out, absolutely blown out and dismantled by the Saints 24 to nothing. And teams, when they're shut out, their next game on the road are 26 12 against the spread. So 26 and 12 against the spread on the road after being shut out, which is a good spot. Another reason why I like the Raiders here is they're staying on the East Coast. So they are not flying back to Vegas. They're staying out east and they're going to be they're already in Florida. So they have, you know, it's a good week to bond. We've talked about this before with San Francisco. They tend to do this off of back-to-back East Coast games and they tend to really succeed in that second game. I think something similar here can happen with Vegas where they're staying out east. They're going to have that road bond. They also had a flu that went through the team last week before that New Orleans game. So that certainly could have impacted the play of last week's game in preparation. So I like Vegas to rebound here knowing that their motivation has to be high. It's, this, is, this is a game they can and should win, and they know that. And I think their motivation and, and their motors will be running this week to get back on the winning track of things. Jacksonville, on the other side of things, is coming back from Europe. They were just playing a game in Europe against the Denver Broncos. So believe it or not, you know their travel, I think, is much worse than Vegas here, even though they're home because they're coming back from London. Vegas or Jacksonville is also 3-13 and against the spread in their last six games, which is not super great, as we know. So they're not super good against the spread. So even if they do win a game, they're not covering very well. They've lost five straight to Denver, the Giants, Indianapolis, Houston, and Philly. Obviously, Philly much better than the rest there. Um, But they've lost some miserable games here recently. Um, Sure, Vegas lost that blowout to New Orleans, but they did lose or beat Houston the week before. They beat Denver within the last four games, and they only lost to Kansas City by one. So there definitely might be something clicking here. You know, if you look at Vegas' schedule, they sure they're two and four, two and five, but a lot of their losses, other than this New Orleans loss, are by one one possession losses. So they're right there. You know, they just got to kind of get over the hump. I think Jacksonville provides certainly a good opportunity for them to do that. Um, another kind of bonus bet here, and I don't know what the total is right now, um, but I'd be interested to bet the over because both of these two teams are 
good at stopping the run, not good at stopping the pass. And I think you're going to see these two teams open it up a little bit here. Um, there are also two teams that cannot get to the quarterback. 32nd and 27th in the league getting to the quarterback. So um, the quarterbacks are going to have time to throw the ball, and the defenses are just not that great against the pass. So I think that you might see some some points being scored here. I don't know what the line is. I would like it. You know, anything sub-50, I think I would play, you know, 47, 48 um, over that. I don't know what the line is, but um, I like an over as well. But I do like Vegas minus one and a half on the road at Jacksonville. I think they get things done here um, to get themselves on the right track. This next game we're going to is back to the well again. Um, I seem to bet on Seattle a lot as well as the Patriots. So Seattle plus two or plus one and a half, wherever you can get them. Um, plus two, obviously better. Um, at Arizona Cardinals. So this is a good one, I think, for Seattle. Seattle obviously is, has exceeded expectations this year. Pete Carroll is 45-28-3 against the spread as an underdog, which they are here at 62%, 18-10 ATS in the division as an underdog. Um, and Geno Smith, similar, 17-10 against the spread as an underdog. Um, so the Seahawks, I think, are in a good spot here. We all know that Arizona is not very good at home. Um, Arizona is, an, and as a favorite for that matter, they're 5-11 ATS as a home favorite. They're 9-15 ATS as a favorite in general under the Cliff Kingsbury era. Um, at home, straight up, they're 10-17-1 and 11-17 ATS again at home. Um, under Cliff Kingsbury. So interesting stuff there. Cardinals typically don't play well at home, and I know they have DeAndre Hopkins back, but they're in, you know, they fed him the ball a lot in Minnesota. Um, but I really like the Seattle offense. The Seattle offense is fourth in the league in points per game, second in the league in points per play, and they're going up against a defense that is 30th in both of those two categories. Um, so I think Seattle's going to be able to get some things done here on the road against Arizona. I think the Giants last week against Seattle, you know, they have a, I think the Giants defense, you know, I'm certainly biased, but I think the Giants defense is, is better than people give them credit for. Um, and I think Arizona's defense is, is certainly worse than New York. And if you know Seattle can put up 27 against the Giants, I certainly think that they can um, get things done against Arizona. They did beat Arizona three weeks ago, 19-9 at home. And it really wasn't even a game. It wasn't a contest. Seattle settled for a few field goals. They probably could have won that game a little closer to you know 27-9. Um, Arizona, I guess, the same thing. But um, they certainly controlled that football game, and I think they do something similar here now that Kenneth Walker has gotten going a little bit. He's got some games under his belt now. Um, Tyler Lockett had an awful game against New York, so I look for him to bounce back. DK Metcalf should be healthier now. He did play last week, but he was battling injury. So I do like this offense to keep clicking on the road against Arizona. I certainly think that Arizona has you know a little more promise here with DeAndre Hopkins. But overall, they don't really have a running game. Um, Kyler Murray, you know, struggles when he has, you know, has to do everything um, through the air when he doesn't have anything to to back himself up with a running game. Um, and like I said, the defense I think has been weak this year to say the least. So I think they'll they'll struggle to contain um, a Seahawks offense that has been surprisingly efficient this year. And for my last play this week, we are making the sharpest play of the week here. We are taking the LA Rams as three-point dogs in Tampa Bay. 
So these are two teams that nobody wants anything to do with. Nobody wants to bet on these two football teams, um, but we're going to. We're going to bet on the L.A. Rams at plus three. These offenses are both awful, um, both in the bottom you know, third or bottom quarter, really, of the league um, in points per game. Um, you know, they, they struggle to run the football, both teams, 31st and 32nd running the football. Uh, that's not very good. They do throw the ball better because they have to because they're playing from behind a lot. The Rams actually have the second highest completion rate in the league at 70%, um, which is surprising, but they don't throw it very far downfield. They're 25th in the league in yards per pass. Tampa Bay, um, you know, 17th in the league there, 6.4 yards per pass compared to 6.2 for the Rams, um, you know, two struggling offenses for sure. You know, there's there's no, you know, see, it's no secret that Tom Brady's going through some things and the Rams have struggled. But there's a couple of trends here that I like um, with this. Well, for, for one, you know, the Rams just got spanked by San Francisco. And San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan has had McVay's number for the last four or five years. So I'm not super worried about that loss. Even even though it was coming off of a bye, and I would have thought that the Rams would have put up a better fight, but they didn't. But McVay is 13 and three straight up, and 11 and five against the spread, coaching in the Eastern Time Zone, um, moving out from Pacific Time to Eastern Time. Very successful. Sean McVay's teams are. Um, they they tend to to do well out there in Tampa. They did play Tampa last year and beat them 30 to 27 in Tampa. Certainly the teams were much different back then, but both teams were much better last year than they are this year. And I think both have digressed about the same amount this year. Um, so it's curious to see that Tampa's, I mean, I don't know if Tampa should be favored by three points against anybody right now, the way that they've looked. So Tampa Bay has lost to Baltimore, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. Their only win in their last six games was against Atlanta at home, which they really had to hang on for. Um, you know, that Green Bay loss looks worse and worse every week. Um, that Pittsburgh loss, of course, is not good. That Carolina loss was awful. Um, and I'm still not so sure how good Baltimore is. Um, maybe they can get things going, but they've already proven to blow leads. Um, so really not a super impressive resume for Tampa so far. Um, the Rams on the other side of things, they did beat Carolina a couple weeks ago, 24 to 10. It was ugly, but they did win. Um, obviously a terrible loss against San Francisco last week. But, you know, at some point, McVay and this offense has got to get things going. Um, they've got to find some sort of a running game. They've, they brought up this practice squad guy, Ronnie Rivers, um, who carried the ball eight times and he had a handful of catches out of the backfield and in the slot, um, which I think could provide them some depth there. Daryl Henderson, if he can get going. Um, I do like the Rams just in this spot. I don't trust Tom Brady and, and the Tampa Bay offense at all. Um, so this is more, less of a, a pro Rams pick. It's more of an anti-Tampa Bay pick. And I just don't think Tampa Bay is in a good spot right now, and I, I don't think they're going to win this game by three. Um, so I do like the Rams to kind of hang around here. Even if they lose, I think they can cover their three. Um, so give me the Rams at plus three. So there we have it. Um, we have our best bets of the week. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully it was uh, informational for you or, or kind of gives you some insight. Um, if there's certain games or anything that you'd like me to break down, I would you know be glad to do that for you. If you just want to hit us up at you know that the draft day on Twitter, or you can 
probably go on our website and shoot us a message there. Um, but give us give us a shout out there, draftdaysports.com. Check us out. Um, get that. Get those picks in. Um, get them in early before those lines move. Um, maybe they'll move in the direction you want, but be careful on some of those. Pay attention to the VIG, where the line's going to go. Um, so you might want to get on those earlier rather than later. I promise that these won't be as long every single week, but like I mentioned, I wanted to explain this podcast, explain the power rankings, so that when I do this in the future, you've got a better sense of what's going on. So hopefully this was good for you guys, and good luck this weekend.